Um, this morning, we're going to talk on a topic called, Which of Your Footprints Do You Want Followed? Most of you know that poem, Footprints in the Sand, and this guy dies and goes to heaven, and he gets mad at God because he thinks God abandoned him because of the single set of footprints, and then there's all nice softy at the end where God says, it's, well, well, when you had those hard times, that was me carrying you. Do you remember that one? Those footprints, it's a, it's a picture. If you've ever been to a beach or somewhere and you've seen footprints, it's evident somebody's been there. And all of us, this, yes, this might be a Father's Day message, but it is for all of us, okay? Yes, I'm going to talk about dads. In fact, I'm going to talk about bad dads. Like, really? Good? You're going to talk about bad dads of the Bible on Father's Day? Yep, because we have some stuff to learn from these bad dads, and there's a great lesson at the end of it. This is not to highlight all the bad stuff they did, but... Honestly, many of us may not know some of these stories. We may not realize the context of what some of these leaders that we have been told are wonderful, how they've lived and how they've influenced their own families. Right now, you and I are still influencing our families, our kids, our relatives, our neighbors. We're all constantly influencing. We're leaving footprints for people. But honestly, which, which ones do you want to follow? Do you have some uh, good things that are, that are exciting in your life that you want your kids to follow? Or, or are there some oops mistakes you don't want them to follow in? Well, these matter. And unfortunately, in our society today, I have a feeling that the, the, um, the sense of, well, it doesn't matter, is creeping in to parents' mindsets. That it's only about their little world, and yet... There's more going on. It's short-sighted. Let's, let's figure out these next few years when really there's a long, uh, a long picture to, to keep in mind that there's a, a long game at play here of how we reveal how we act, talk, um, behave, and our kids are watching us. So let's, let's have a fun sneak peek at some bad dads and uh, see what happened. Yep, Abraham. Oh my goodness, I thought he was a good dad. Well, he's a bad dad. He's a bad dad because he, first of all, he messed up. He slept with his wife concubine because he and his wife Sarah became impatient for God's promise of a son. That was kind of not smart. You know, he, how, many, how many times have we tried to help God out because our prayers aren't being answered fast enough? Well, Abraham did exactly that. And uh, it turned into a boy named Ishmael being born. And uh, that created a whole new problem. This is... Uh, Abraham trying to help God out, and who, which, which nation comes out of his son Ishmael? Anybody know? The Arab nation, right? Out of that, oops, comes the entire Arab world. Uh, he also sent his firstborn son and his mother into the desert. So Ishmael and uh, his mother had to be sent away. So here, his own kid, he kicks its mother and his son out into the desert because Sarah, his wife-wife, was having a hissy fit. Okay, the jealousy thing. Like, cat fights. Uh, I'm sure what they wrote was very tame in Scripture. You know, cleaned up for us, maybe. I don't know. But uh, you, can, you can imagine the reality of two, well, well, I can't imagine that, because we don't do that in Canada. We don't have two wives. We have one. But this is, this is the fight going on with Abraham, and he kicked him out. I wonder what that was and what that did to his son. And yet, please keep in mind, when Ishmael was sent out and his mother, God declared he loved them too. They went out there loved, but 
bad dad, dude. Like, you don't do that. But he did. Then, reminder, he tried to sacrifice Isaac because God told him to do this. Yeah, Abraham tried to give up his son. And that's kind of, who, who would do that? Who would sacrifice their kid? Let me give you a little background for a moment. Child sacrifice was very, very, very common back then. Like, that was the thing you did. Uh, It was was not called into question. That's why it's odd that Abraham didn't even balk at the idea of having to sacrifice his kid. He just got the wood together, and his kid said, so where's the lamb? (laughs) You're it. I'll be provided, yeah. And so he, he, anyway, goes up the mountain, and uh, God does something profound. God turned a page in Abraham's life. It was the page of knowing God better. He thought he knew God, but God turned the page and said, ah, I do not want sacrifice. This is not who I am, even though the whole world and culture believes it's okay, but this is not me. And we see that happen all through Scripture. We see layers peeled back and we get sneak peeks into a God who truly is good because they had a misunderstanding of who God was. From their lens, they did not know God. They had an incomplete perception of who God was. How do we know this? Jesus himself declared, no one knows the Father but the Son, and no one knows the Son but the Father. Okay, like this, this is Jesus. And then Jesus tells, uh, I think it's uh, Philip. And Philip says, hey, yo, Jesus, uh, can you show us the Father? Do you remember that, that little part of the story? He thought he's having a really good chat with Jesus. And, and since things are positive, he's going to ask, he's going to get his request in. It's like some of our prayers. We have all this praise, 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 butter up God, and then we throw our request in real quick. That's kind of what he did, really. And so here, uh, Philip asks, hey, show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. He and I, I are the same. We are one. That is, I believe, the first time in Scripture we have the greatest declaration describing who God the Father was and is and how all the others before him and everything that was written was incomplete and sometimes wrong. But the writers wrote from what their heart was and what they saw and believed and perceived, and that's the record we have today. And it's trustworthy. We can read it and learn from it. But Jesus is the revelation of the Father. He is the one we get the proper view from. So he tried to sacrifice his kid. Then, by the way, and later in his life, when he had to zip around and, and run away or wherever he was, he, uh, he lied that his wife, who was apparently drop-dead gorgeous, and uh, he was threatened by that, his own insecurity, and uh, he thought, they're going to kill me in Egypt if, if, um, uh, if, if they tell me I'm, if I say she's my wife, because then they'll kill me and take her. So he said it was his sister. He did it twice. Like, really? And then he gave her to somebody, and God protected her. There was no violation whatsoever. God protected. But this is, this is like the bad dad stuff. You don't do this stuff. Let me, let me give some credit to these guys that we're going to talk about today. Just because we're hearing these stories, you've got to remember they also had an incomplete revelation of who God was. They did not have the Holy Spirit guiding them and direct them as they do after the cross. Okay? So got to give them some credit. And secondly, most of the stories of the Old Testament are for you and me to recognize what humanity looks like. 
all the wrestlings we have, the ups and downs, the brutal distortions of who we think God is and the bad mistakes and then the repentance and back, like, wow, it should give us a sense of maybe I'm more normal than I thought. Maybe it's okay to struggle. Maybe it's okay to wrestle with what I believe. That happened all through the Old Testament. It should encourage us. And then, guess what? Being a bad dad, his son repeated uh, this exact same lie. So there's, there's a, it, it went down to his kid for some reason. I don't know. That's how it was recorded. Then we have this guy, Isaac. That's his son. Isaac does something brutal. He plays favorites with his children. And this is the story where Esau was the, uh-oh, I forget now. Which one was the farmer? Which one was the hunter? Anybody remember? All of you, those that have Google in your brain? Pardon? Esau was the hunter. Okay, so Esau, woohoo, guy, he, he, did this, uh, he, he did this sacrifice and it was not accepted, but the other guy had an awesome, um, acceptable sacrifice and it really ticked off the other brother. And so they started to have a feud. There was favoritism. And, and even uh, the dad started playing favorites to his kids. But Rebecca, his wife, favored the other one. So then there's this birthright sale thing happened. The one hunter dude came home and he didn't catch anything. He was really hungry. And, and brother, who knows how to be a chef, you know, Chef Bouillon, and he did a perfect soup, you know, mm, yum. It's like Rod's chicken noodle soup. It's amazing. And so he does this awesome soup and he woos his brother and says, hey, I'll give you some food. Oh, God, do anything. Okay, give me your birthright. Ah, sure, you can have it. He didn't care. I right, give you some soup. So he gobbles down the soup and the other brother's going, <laughs> one day. Well, one day came, and one day the hunter brother who should have gotten the birthright was out hunting, and they, then Rebecca, the mother, uh, puts her soft-skinned son and puts some furs on him to try and make him look like and feel like hairy brother, <laughs> okay? They didn't have shaving blades back then. So anyway, they, they, did this, they went into dad, who was, could not see well at all, or pretty much blind and tough listening. He's obviously very old. And they trick him into thinking he's Esau and give him the birthright. It was a formal declaration. He can only do it once, and he got it. And so when Esau came in from the field and said, where's my birthright? I've already given it. I thought you were, oh no, I got deceived. Well, Esau gets really ticked, threatens to kill his brother, and boom, Esau has to take off because his life's at risk. So again, favoritism and what it does. You've seen it in your own families. Be careful, parents. Showing favoritism to one kid over another, especially, listen to this, and we're, we got people listening from all over the place. If you have a blended family, it's even worse. Showing favoritism will create horrific divides, not only between mom and dad, but between the kids. And if you don't think they notice, ha! Yes, they do. So keep in mind, there's a cost to showing favoritism. Next, we got Jacob. Two of his sons, Simeon and Levi, went to a city and killed every male and looted the town because one man violated. So that's a, that's a great way to, you know, for your son to behave. Hmm, what happened? And here's the problem with that. Jacob only gave him a verbal rebuke. He only, bad, oh, you guys shouldn't do that. He did not discipline his kids well. That's, the, that's a lesson in a number of the stories here. Um, just as his parents played, uh, just like his parents, Jacob played favorites with his children, favoring Joseph. <coughs> Benjamin and Joseph were uh, the two sons from Rebekah, I think it was. And so here we have 
Um, Joseph's brothers then, because he got favored, remember the color, colored coat and, you know, the proud, look what I'm wearing. And then Joseph opens his big mouth and talks about his dreams. Hey, guys, you worship me, blah, blah, blah. Really stupid, okay? Unwise, brotherly thing to do, you know? But there was clear favoritism shown, and it was revealed to everybody. They ended up uh, uh, hating him for it, the brothers, and eventually sold him into slavery. That's a whole other story that uh, leads you to... Uh, um, uh, Egypt being saved through a famine, which leads you to Israel growing for years, and then they become slaves, and 400 years later, then we have the story of Moses. So that's the timeline of that. But all that happened around that time. Boy, oh boy. And then there were cover-ups. They did the same thing, just like the previous fathers, or Jacob did. They, they lied to dad that Joseph had been killed after they sold him as a slave. These are behaviors that are not becoming these are not footsteps you want followed. These are not footprints to lead anybody in. And these are, the, these are some of these people we say are amazing. A lot. He really screwed up. He was greedy when Abraham said, hey, pick which field or which place you want because our families are too big. Pick which place. We've got to divide and live in different places. He said, well, I want the green grass. I'm in. I want the really plush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want it. And I bet you all of his buddies would have a lot, you know, clapped and applauded and said, hey, good job. Good, wise choice. When really, he wasn't thinking spiritually, he was thinking greedily. Lesson for us as parents. Have a spiritual lens. What kind of spiritual footprints are we leaving with our kids? Which is the intent of this entire message? What kind of spiritual footprint are we leaving so our kids can walk in them? And it's never too late. That's going to be the good news at the end of this. Um... He did something really dumb. Uh, he moved really close to wicked people. He, he decided to move close to Sodom and Gomorrah, and by the time, a couple of verses later, now he's living in the town. Uh, he just moved closer and closer to a place where he shouldn't have been because of the great wickedness. Sometimes we don't think we're going to be affected by poor choices and people and groups of people that we shouldn't be hanging around with. We say, oh, it's not that bad. It's a slow, slow cooking frog in a kettle. You just, it will catch you at the, when you least expect it. He hesitated, Lot did, when the angel said it's time to leave now because the city was going to be destroyed. And so he, because he hesitated, he was grabbed by the angels and then taken out and saved. And then, of course, because of a horrible deed that Lot did, he became the father of Ammon and Moab, who were the father of the Ammonites, Moabites, and two of Israel's greatest enemies. Your mistakes have consequences. Let me remind you today, because of what Christ did at the cross, your consequences, or sorry, your, your, the mistakes we've done are not who we are. It's where we've been and doesn't define our identity. We are clean and forgiven. So we have to realize that even God can redeem circumstances. Even when we think that we've, we've messed up so bad, you have not messed up bad enough. Uh, you can't outmess God. You can't outmess his forgiveness and his grace. It's impossible. Don't try. You know, some people, really, some people think that. Oh, then I guess I'm okay. Come on. This is about relationship, not about how much you can get away with. Then you've totally lost the, the big picture. Uh, next we have Eli, the story of a priest. He had two sons, uh, Hophni and Phinehas. Uh, who knows? They were called worthless men. These were guys who really messed up bad, and, and here's what dad did. He never called them into account. He let them serve as priests, even though they couldn't care less about God. That was very poor judgment, not just as a leader, but as a father. Um, and then, again, all he did was offer to minor, minor verbal rebukes. Bad, bad boys. Uh, not good enough. 
Even God even told Eli that he seemed to have greater focus on his sons than over God. Uh, then we have David. Now David, we think, ooh, David's a good guy. Nah, hang on. His, his little lineage has got some pretty dark clouds. And uh, it, it's kind of scary. If you're going to judge him as a father based on his kids, well, then he really messed up. But keep in mind, we are not judged by our kids' behavior all the time. Sometimes we are, but you know what I mean. Especially when it comes to our identity, to who we are in Christ. Your nature, being loved, clean and forgiven, does not depend on anyone else around you. It depends on what Christ has already done on the cross. But David did have some mess-ups. He made some poor decisions and didn't realize it was going to have a ripple effect in his family, turning his sons into murderers. Uh, Agenai tried to take over being king. When David was sick, he tried to take over being king while David was still king but dying. And instead, David made Solomon king. And, and uh, this brother was really upset about that, and he still tried to uh, become king again. Ammon, another son, was killed by his brother Absalom because of a bad deed. Absalom was killed by his brother Ammon, or killed his brother Ammon, and he had Joab's barley field set on fire. Revenge, right? We just know how to do revenge. It's, it's nuts. Sibling rivalry, it's, it's insane. He even tried to kill his father, David. Solomon, we hear all about Solomon. Ooh, you know, the, the wisdom of Solomon, blah, blah, blah. He must have been amazing. Well, you know what? He killed his brother, Agenai. He was ordered by David, dad, to kill his brother on his deathbed. Insane. Later in life, yeah, he had a really good model here. 700 wives and 300 concubines. Uh, that would make some of our TV shows today, like The Bachelor or something like that, really bad. You know, imagine if they, yeah, bad. He had these many wives, and these wives turned his heart. He had his heart slowly turned away from God through the things of this world. And he wrote about that. He revealed the story. He wrestled with uh, trying to become wise and excited about God, and yet then he got drawn into the, the joys of the world. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying the things of this world, but doing the context of who you are in Christ and how he is guiding us. But yet, all these bad dads, here's the good news. They were called heroes of the faith. What? How can these bad dads be called heroes? I have a hunch. I have a real hunch that in our Western culture, we judge everyone according to their deeds. We judge everyone according to their behaviors. Folks, if you have any insecurities, you'll totally get it. You know, when you behave bad, people don't like you. When you behave good, people like you. And we project that even onto God sometimes. We think God is close when we're good and he's far when we're bad. That's not who God is. He sees your heart. He loves you. He's nuts about you. Yeah, God is an absolute like with you. Yep, he likes you and he loves you. And he's called these guys hero. Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Jacob, Samuel, David. We're called heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. Because he saw beyond the actions. It doesn't excuse the behavior. Those are bad choices. But God saw past that and realized, I have placed good in you and you as well. God has placed goodness in each of us. Even David was called a man after God's own heart. The book of Psalms, it's just riddled with struggle and wrestling and praise and depression and uh, 
back and forth, like you must have been manic sometimes, all in one, one song, you know, up and down. And it shows us it's okay. We're allowed to be honest and transparent with God. This dad did teach something really well. He said, hey, I'm human. I've made, up, I've made some pretty big mistakes, and yet God has redeemed me? And he continued to walk in thankfulness. He had moments of great success, and those were the things highlighted. He didn't highlight all the bad things. Lot, oh my goodness, seriously, he was called righteous. Lot and Abraham called righteous before they did a single thing. Abraham was called righteous before he was called the father of all. He was called and declared righteous. You'll have to look those up in Galatians 3.6 and 2 Peter 2.7. They all messed up in their parenting, but God knew their hearts. None of us can get this right. Uh, even myself, I, I'm, as I'm preparing all this stuff, and especially the closing song that we're going to, a video that we're going to watch, uh, I tell you, to rip my heart open because... I did not do the dad thing perfectly. Definitely not. Uh, welcome to church, especially as a pastor's kid, you know. All the expectations, all my mess-ups, and, and not having all the time or spending time with them or sending a message to my family that my job is more important than my family, that has been a difficult struggle, struggle and pattern in my life. It sucks. But this is a day today where I look back and I try to see the highlights. Okay, here's where, here's where I did have success. And I celebrate that. Because if we only focus on those bad things, which spouses sometimes tend to focus on a lot. Just to remind us. <laughs> but celebrate those good things. Celebrate those, those victories. Because the more you celebrate those victories, the more you want to do those things. They become the inspiration to creating a good path that you want followed. It's never too late. I always thought, well, I don't, I'm never going to have my kids young again. That, duh, it's impossible. Um, but the idea of how can, I, how can I love them and show them they're valued and accepted today? Well, then I start today. And I take extra time, the extra hug. There's a dad I know today who's very sad. He lost his 26-year-old daughter this week. She died of a brain aneurysm. You know, she was just working out in the gym, and boom, gone. And we had a big event on Friday night for that. And I tell you, the Father's Day for her today, uh, for him, oh my goodness. Like, the wrestling, uh, hug your kids. Be more patient with them. And I love this one admonition in the New Testament, I forget where it is. But it says, don't um, um, aggravate your kids. Don't, don't exasperate them. Because sometimes, as parents, we know it all we're right. And by the time your kid's 18, you know nothing. It's just how it works. But at younger ages, especially, if you incite them to arguments, because I used to call it the dad card. Dad card, now be quiet. I did. You can't. That's exasperating them. I didn't know that. I'm learning now. It's not too late. It's not too late to do some course corrections. You've got younger kids. You've got so many resources available to help you love your kids and each other better. Oh, yeah. Learn all you can. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things, not some, all things work together for, the good, uh, for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. 
God does work all things together. Even in the story of Joseph, when his brothers sold him as a slave, turned into the most important rescue mission for the country of Egypt, and uh, he did many, many, many good things. And he recognized God's hand using bad decisions by others. Maybe you've had bad decisions done to you. Maybe you're, you're the recipient of a bad, a bad dad, or a, you've had to feel the consequences of poor choices from parents. You know what? That doesn't define who you are. It just shows where you've come from. You still have your own steps to take. We may plan our paths, but the Lord determines our steps. Trust the Lord. Trust God. Be mindful of the steps you are taking and the character you are modeling. You are being watched at every stage of fatherhood and motherhood. It's not too late. Kids watch. They know when you're, when you're being fake about being in a good mood. They, they read the vibe. You know, if I, I can walk around here and scowl at the kids if I want to, but no, I'm, I'm trying to be really intentional to show kindness and goodness to the kids when they're running around having all their goof fest, you know, because that's what kids do. I'm a big kid, so, you know, I get it. But either way, I want them to know that whenever they come here, they see a face or have a, an, an attitude of acceptance shown to them. May we do that for all. Because everybody can tell true light coming out. Everybody recognizes that. Proverbs 22, 26. Now, be careful. Proverbs is a proverb, not a promise. Okay? Churches have used this as a promise. Here's a guarantee. Do this, and that's a guarantee. It's a proverb. It's a wise saying. It, it has a pattern of truth to it. So... Please be careful not to declare by the blood of Christ. You can do all that, but really, really, just trust the Holy Spirit. Here's some wisdom. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Another translation from the message. Point your kids in the right direction, and when they're old, they won't be lost. NLT, New Living Translation. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. How many parents know that by the time they're like 18 or something, you're going, that is not the path I put you on. <laughs> but those that are yet older have witnessed a course correction later in life. It happens. Who's their daddy? The real daddy. Their Heavenly Father who guides and directs and gets all of our attentions. God is big enough to reach all of us. In the Passion Translation, it says, dedicate your children to God and point them in the way they should go and the values that they've learned from you will be with them for life. Even the values that you think they're forgetting, they're still in there. They're still there. You're planting seeds and it will yield something somewhere. Do not lose hope. Do not give up. I'm going to close with this next song by, uh, I think it's Song Too Surreal. And I think Terrell McBay uh, revealed this song to me years ago. And I'd like you to hear it. It's pretty powerful. Lights out. And uh, this is a great closer. Perfect. 
outside in picture frames I see my beautiful wife always smiling but on the inside oh, I can hear her saying lead me with strong hands stand up when I can't don't song <laughs> chasing after dreams selfishly oh how many times have we done that all at the cost of family making our loved ones pay the cost just think of your life as one who's a giver that's what agape is love 
We love which is not self-centered. It's other-centered. It's done in gentleness, kindness. That is the love of Christ coming out. I don't know, but that, that would just, oh, man, rip my heart open. Be encouraged today. All of us are mentoring somebody. If fathering, mothering, if you don't have kids, you still have influence on people around you. Mentor someone. Encourage someone. We all have this thing called, a person called Jesus in us. Let him out. Let him out with gentleness and wisdom. And I love how in the song it says, he's praying, God, be my strength. Be my wisdom to do this thing that I've been purposed to do in whatever circumstance I'm in, however he worded that. And I thought that was pretty powerful. May that be your prayer today too, that the Holy Spirit will be your power and your dream. 